The Car Guys Report is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You. What happens? You know what? We're going to find out who (laughs) is Bubbly Wobbly. Do we have to go there? Yes. You've got my attention on that one. That's on the next Back to You with Howard and Steve. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an OPI show. Only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and uh, thanks for joining us here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Today in the Car Guys Report studio, we have a special guest, Matt Avery. And Matt is a uh, kind of a uh, car guy, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. He's a true car guy through and through. Lou's got that funny look on his face, like, what do you mean a jack-of-all-car-guys <laughs> yeah, just trade a straight-up car whatever, guy. You know? But, um, no, Matt has a lot of uh, things going on in his life. He's a journalist, an author, a multimedia producer. Uh, he works for Meekum Auctions. He just does a whole bunch of stuff. And we wanted to, first of all, welcome Matt to uh, the podcast. Thanks, uh, Matt, for joining us here today. Certainly glad to uh, have you here. Yeah, thanks, Mark and Lou. It's great to be here. And we know that you're busy, so thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. Just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your uh, background, your uh, credentials, as it were. Um, I know that we know each other through uh, one of the suburban Chicago uh, newspapers called the Daily Herald, where you're a a writer, uh, contributor for their automotive coverage and then you're also an author you've written one book you've got another book in production in your multimedia producer so just talk uh for a few minutes about some of your background in the automotive uh field yeah absolutely i mean journalism wasn't exactly where i uh thought i would end up mark uh, i started off as a technician uh during high school and college i did a vocational track and ended up in the dealership uh setting uh master mechanics at both a mercedes and a bmw dealership so oh, cool. that's really kind of where i got my foundation into the automotive industry was from repairing cars seeing them torn apart um and then from there i was able to combine that with my love of storytelling uh, with a d- film degree from Towson University, grew up on the East Coast in Maryland. So um, right out of college, was able to marry those two backgrounds by working with the uh, TV show Motor Week. Cool. Wow. So, uh, so I took my technical training with the uh, storytelling uh, abilities and skill sets, and here I am today. What did you do? So. I'm just curious. What did you do for Motor Week specifically? Because I've been watching that show for like 20 years. Yeah. So uh, I wrote uh, some of their scripts and did some of their field production, some of the road tests uh, content. So still keep in touch with those guys have a lot of good uh, friendships and cool. uh, love seeing what they're up to yeah that's very so. cool because like i said i watched that uh re- religiously for for at least 20 years and i know they just did a, a feature uh, a little while ago on your on on your new book or your your book that's currently out which was great now but i had no idea that you had a relationship with them prior to that so that's really cool yeah yeah so east coast guy and uh they're so and that makes sense because they're based <laughs> in maryland so um but it's interesting too that you were able to seg from being a technician so now i know if i 
have a problem with my Mercedes, I'll call you and pick <laughs> your brain. And uh, sure, I, I, yeah. I mean, as long as you have something 15 years or older, uh, uh, since that's when I got out. But no, I mean, I, I will say that those formative years in the dealership experience mm-hmm. added tremendously to my skill set as a journalist, um, just giving me greater insight. So that that way, as I go out. Uh, conducting research into these cars that we all know and love or interviewing owners gives me a little bit more of a, an edge in terms of helping, uh, you know, knowing what the, the person I'm interviewed is, is talking about. Sure. Oh, and, no, that, that makes a lot. So. You know, I know that Lou um, has learned a lot about cars during his uh, YouTube ventures with My Car Story with Lou. And it's all interesting that here's three guys that were, were, were on this uh, podcast together, and we've all got varying uh, background. I mean, Lou's kind of a, a business entrepreneur, car guy. I'm a radio um, public relations advertising kind of car guy, and you're the multimedia producer, author kind of car guy. And it's just interesting how everything is just all melding together here. And uh, we're, we're just happen to have all three of us together and we're having a great time talking about stuff so i'm glad that you're here uh lou do you have any specific questions to ask matt about his background because uh i know that before we uh, started recording you were uh asking him some questions about certain things and you were like well uh let me see here and well well let's start with with some easy stuff we'll right, go, fire, we'll go fire away, Lou. yeah we'll go slow softball pitches right up the middle <laughs> so what car shows when you're going across first of all let's let's mention your book what's the name of your book so that people can know that sure so the title is copo c-o-p-o uh so and we copo. will be talking about that later in the show true specifically true so. right so we're going to talk about the copo book and we'll f- learn more about that as we come up so you get the chance to go across the country, started on the East Coast. What are some car shows that you say, these are some shows, these are some people, this is some stuff that has uh, impacted me? Um, I mean, a lot, of the, um, a lot of the shows that I've been able to go to, to me, the ones that kind of stand out are... I love the shows where the cars take over the cityscape. And what I mean by that is so like one of the shows that I always enjoyed um, going to uh, when I lived in Maryland was Ocean City. Maryland is a great little beach town and they do some fantastic events throughout the years uh, throughout the year. And and the cool thing is, is that just they get so many car influx of cars that everywhere you look, you just see it's almost the closest that we can ever go to going back in time. So to me, that's kind of what I love is those big shows where everywhere you look, whether it be down the street in the little alleys and stuff, just because as a younger enthusiast, not being able to live through the 50s and 60s and 70s, I love that aspect of it. So like that's those are some of the events that stand out to me, those in um, Ocean City, some of those on the West Coast, too. I was just at uh, Monterey for the big car week and Pacific Grove. They have that same kind of environment where the cars take over that downtown environment. And I think that that really adds, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a parking lot full of cars, but when it just starts spilling over. It becomes part of the community, so it, to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I, I love that. Like I said, I just, I think that's so neat. And you start to appreciate some of the architecture because now you see the old car and you start picking up some of those themes and even things around it. So very cool stuff. There is a show similar to that. I, I just found out about it uh, this year. I wasn't familiar with it, but it was going on for a while and it happened uh, in the summer in Indianapolis. I think it was called Artomobilia, and it was kind of a European flavored type, exactly what you're talking about, almost like a concourse, but somewhere in, I think it was actually in Carmel, Indiana, which is a suburb of uh, Indianapolis, where they basically just have everything either in a park setting or like on the streets, and you just kind of just soak in this whole culture thing, and it's 
sounded awesome. I didn't get to go, but uh, and that I think that's a lot what what Monterey, the, the Car Week or whatever they call it out there with Pebble Beach and everything is the same way where it just the whole town and the whole area just becomes car culture to the extreme, but in a really great, cool way. So, and yeah, and we have that here, you know, we're treated to that every night of the summer here in the Chicago suburbs, just because that's kind of the flavor of the Chicago sure. cruise scene is that you have all these kind of train towns, yeah. uh, you know, where you have these dense urban areas that want to host these events. And so it just, you know, there's very rarely sanctioned parking. Typically, you know, it's kind of on one main corridor and then just the cars spill out over. So mm-hmm. as you park and you walk, you're encountering the cars as you go and just seeing them, you know, parked in a little cluster and you see the enthusiasts hanging out, you know, the, the rat rod folks or the classics or whatever, you just start to see these little communities. And I, I love that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think that's what, what really makes, uh, you know, the car culture and the car shows uh, unique and fun is because you can get a very nice cross section of people that are interested specifically in, like you said, you know, maybe you got guys that are just totally into the resto mods or somebody like me who tends to be more Eurocentric in their, in their interests. And and it's just a, a nice blending when we can all come together and, and just have a lot of fun. So that's the way to do it. If you like what we're doing here on the Car Guys Report, be sure to tell a friend about us. We are the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. We're available online at radiomisfits.com. Just head on over to that, web, that website to get all the uh, Radio Misfits shows, including ours. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. And also, of course, you can email us at Report at hotmail.com. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Luke Costable. We're here in the studio today with our special guest, Matt Avery. He's a multimedia producer, a journalist, and an author. And uh, among all those things, uh, Matt, you're also working with Meekum Auctions. And I know that I've been to uh, several of the Meekum Auctions when they have their um, auction in the uh, Chicago area. But I, they've got to be, and I think Lou and I were talking about this uh, on a previous show, that it seems like Meekum is basically just... You guys have an auction like every month now, it seems, in a lot of different cities throughout the U.S. Yeah, it, it sure seems that way. And I mean, if you look out over, I know the 2020 calendar was just posted, and it's, it's a very robust season. I mean, the passion nationwide for the cars runs deep, and uh, I think Meekum can barely keep up with all the demand for those for the car events. They're, they're great fun. What so. exactly is your role uh, with Meekum right now? Sure. So I've been brought on uh, to spearhead a new entertainment and editorial venture uh, called thetransmission.com. So it's a brand new website we just uh, launched uh, this uh, fall. And uh, so it's it's an area to to put car stories, um, using my background as a, as a journalist out in the field, to go out and kind of bring these stories to light. Um, Meekum Auctions throughout the year gets so many different um just great material for stories just because so many cars pass through those auction events or even not at the events but just Meekum serves as a hub to kind of collect car stories we mm-hmm. get emails regularly up from different people sharing stories and memories so basically the transmission provides a platform to to share these um, as well as it's not just going to be stories that uh, only that we are getting at the through the Meekum office but also just out in the field like I said I've been spending a lot of time out on the road traveling coast to coast and, and meeting owners yeah and, that was uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you is it 
it's specifically cars that you have up for auction or is it just anybody basically? yeah not not at all i mean um so obviously there's a lot of good stuff that passes through but on the other hand i mean i've been out beating the bushes and coming across great stuff in my travels um got some great events i'll be going to uh later in the next couple of months and you know just even out in monterey uh, i did spend a couple of days at the uh at the mecham auction there but also spent a couple of days soaking up the other car culture uh just got some great stories a lot of good stuff to share and uh it's been a lot of fun one thing i'm always curious about with the whole auction scene is and and and, and you can answer this to the best of your ability because it might not be exactly your your forte but how do you guys go about getting enough cars for each particular auction because i mean in, in a lot of the auctions you guys have Mecham, i mean you'll have 500 700 thousand cars and you're doing that every month and you know and you're not the only auction company around i mean obviously you're one of the the bigger ones but i mean there's so many other auction companies too and i just always wonder and and i think lou and i have have talked about this before it's like are you going to run out of cars or or do the same cars just keep going through all the different auctions from place to place and company to company yeah uh i'm not too sure you know uh you know from what i can tell it seems like we're always bursting at the seams with each of the events and i know we're always trying to add days and and um i know like for i know we launched in in phoenix last year in glendale and i I was there for that for that and uh overwhelming response there and i know we're extending that auction this year so it seems like enthusiasm's high and and we'll try to do everything we can to get all the cars across the block so yeah i I, personally i don't have the guts to sell a car at auction because i always think i'd get screwed (laughs) in in in, you know having (laughs) giving my car away unless i had a, a, a you know reserve on it or something but i think you can get some great buys at auctions as as a as a as a buyer but i've got a a good car buddy of mine who is a big fan of mecham and he's selling stuff there all the time so he's had a really good experience yeah absolutely i've been uh at an auction site working backstage or something and seeing something cross uh seeing something go across the block and be like man i should jump out there yeah and, you know so yeah absolutely i mean i think that's one of the you know big misconceptions in with the auction circuit is that it's only for you know six-figure cars and above and that's certainly not the case there's a lot of great stuff for those uh collectors just getting into the hobby or enthusiasts that you know are just starting out and want to pick up a car that's a little bit more attainable a lot of that's can be found mm-hmm. i think one of the watchwords too is when you attend an auction and and with mecham i like to go to the, the the first day of the auction because then you get to see all the cars that are going to be rolling through over the the next few days and that's when the the lower price stuff comes through first and that's where you can get some of the really good bargains i mean you know the, the amount of cars that you can get for even 20 grand and less is amazing and there's some really fun stuff that you know sometimes i think like yeah yeah that's a nice cadillac that would be a lot of fun yeah. So it's it's cool to think about something like that. So Matt, back to back to what do you, you know? What's your role with Mecham? First of all, how long have you been with them? So I uh, just starting this year in 2019. Okay. So um, uh, a little bit of background about that. So I mean, the bulk of my career has been spent uh, was spent with Cars.com, uh, headquartered in downtown Chicago. Sure. I, I served as senior video producer there, um, helping to produce a lot of the editorial video content that Cars.com produces on a regular basis. So uh, that's where I spent a, 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 the last season. And so uh, this is kind of a new season, very exciting to uh, kind of look at this next chapter. And But a natural so. transmission, uh, transition. Is that transmission? <laughs> is that, what was it? Transmission.com, I Transmission.com. Yeah. <laughs> <The> transmission.com. <laughs> nice. With, um, all right, so, I mean, once you've, established yourself as the car writer the car video guy you know that that goes with you wherever you're at so it's really the matt avery production what piece you're out there you see a stack of stuff you literally have to say 
Uh, it's almost like duck, duck, goose. No, no, no. Yes, that one I'll write about. What's catching Matt's eye? Um, in, in, in my travels, uh, you know, specifically for transmission or, you know, other things that catches my eye, uh, you know, some of the, the surefire ways to get my attention are original owners. Uh, to me, that's something that um, starting several years ago with the, the Daily Herald column that I write, that was just a, a special group of people that I felt like had really gone uh, unnoticed in the hobby for a very long time. And I think it's one of those things that the hobby had become insulated um, in that recognizing younger enthusiasts coming up to to bring to light the ownership history about not only did a person buy a car during the 60s, but they still have it today. And I think that a lot of the hobby had kind of, maybe that had, hadn't been as interesting as it was, but as a younger enthusiast, that was fascinating to me to realize, hey, not only do you own a big, bad, you know, whatever Chevelle, but man, you, you bought it new and you still have it today. Um, and then especially th that that's also enlightening to me as a journalist because they are just because of the decades long ownership by almost definition you're going to get greater richer story content because there's longer periods of time that the vehicle was used you know and, and again nothing wrong i mean i found fascinating stories from people that have owned a car for six months you never know it's just so when you say what stands out to me anytime i'm walking down a show and i see um you know original owner or i see the other thing too that i love i love the old family pictures uh, i can't get enough of those slides or the polaroids to me that's a surefire way to catch my attention because again uh the thing of the story about cars is it's the story about people right i mean they basically serve as vehicles no pun intended um to really tie us together and to kind of celebrate what it's like to to, to live the you know the human experience and uh, so i love seeing those old pictures and i love you know one of the things i do because i uh when i do photography is if the owner has those photos um i always try to kind of recreate it just for fun you know just to kind of show readers because that's really what draws it and i get a lot of feedback um is that people love seeing that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, because it's relatable. And don't get me wrong, um, heavy-duty numbers and facts and figures have a place. And, and um, But I think for the masses, it's that story of people that draws them in because everyone loves a good classic car. But when you mix in those hu those, those human interest elements, it just, it's just... It's, I think it's, another aspect of that, too, is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that if you're searching out or, or, or interviewing a lot of people that are the original owners of their cars, hopefully you'd be seeing some cars that are surviving survivors too that haven't been restored or been restored you know sympathetically and not a you know full-on resto mod and i think that's that's really neat too or even a car that like i said a survivor and they can tell you you know where that scratch came from on the lower rear quarter panel or why it's got some little rust up front or whatever and, and that that stuff to me i mean i'm almost to the point where find me a true survivor car and i think that's really cooler than something that's been fully restored and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars has been spent on it because those cars are just they're as original as their owners i guess is the way you could say it and um it's funny that you say that though because i've got a friend who's got a um, 1958 buick who's actually a guest on our program a while back and we were joking during the program because one of the questions he gets asked for whatever reason and he's basically our age so he doesn't look older than we do but people ask him if he's the original owner and he go well let me see i'd have to be about uh <laughs> you know it's the car is older than he is so there's no <laughs> way it would happen but it's just funny that that i don't know why some people ask uh if you're the original owner or not sometimes right. but that's a good point though mark about um not only do 
does connecting with the original owners bring about that story content but it's also a good way to benchmark um sure exactly you know it, and because for me that was uh especially vital as i put together the research into my copo mm -hmm. book having the opportunity to interview owners that went into a dealership whether it be yanko chevrolet or berger chevrolet exactly, yeah and tick the boxes mm -hmm. not only does is that there are a lot of neat stories but also being able to say hey uh, you know for something that at, was as clandestine as the copo pro program mm -hmm. being able to hear firsthand you know you you know if you google or if you research people you kind of it's the wild west of, of what's true but being able to go to that source and say hey when you went into the dealership was it well known did yeah. the salesman call it a copo or did they call it a 427 camaro yeah. so being able to do that was really enlightening well i know exactly what you're saying because you're the person that was ordering the car and there can be so many urban legends or 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 fictitious things that grow over the years that like oh you could never get you know ac on that car with a three speed on the column and you're like well what's that parked outside in front that's the way i ordered it it was a special order and that you know and that way you can prove you know the 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 myth wrong and saying i have the proof that you can you know that car existed because sure. i i bought it i ordered it you know and i think that is it is important to do that um you know i've looked at the transmission.com it looks like an excellent site and maybe you can just expand a little bit about uh where you see that going i know it just launched but um you're writing content for that so is it kind of a a, a companion piece to the to the some of the printed publications that mecham puts out for auctions because they have stories in there so it's kind of a digital somewhat of a digital Digital version of that yeah I, I but I think with uh, yes but I think also with a wider scope um, just because you know being able to to touch on on car culture even beyond the Meekum walls is, is mm -hmm. going to be really exciting and um, I look forward to the year ahead I mean um, so we're going to be having a, a lot of different voices come on a lot of different writers producing content and I mean everything that we'll be writing will range from like we talked about original owner stories to insight uh, tech pieces uh, you know some editorial features as well so uh, a lot of exciting stuff. Um, so we have to stay tuned to see what all we got. Yeah, because obviously, I mean, you're actually a brand in your own right. The, you know, the Matt Avery brand. Of course, Meekum has become a brand in their own right. And I'm kind of getting the feeling that um, they don't necessarily want to be just known as an auction company, perhaps, and just kind of more of a, you know, eventually more of like a multimedia uh, car destination type of thing, perhaps, uh, with experts on staff and things like that so like a resource that people can can go to to uh, learn more about whatever they might be looking at and of course then tying it obviously back into the auctions too so sure yeah i mean a a absolutely i mean more and more mecham is becoming more of an entertainment mm -hmm. um you know production just because of how many you know how much attention the auctions do bring i mean a lot well, it's of like people, a big party when you go a, yeah. i mean that's that's <laughs> a, it's just a crazy um, environment and that, that's what's so fun about it because uh it it, it becomes a, a you know a social event really i like to invite my friends and we go and you know check out the cars i the, the favorite part of my of the auction that i like is just when, like I said, I'll go on the Thursday, uh, which would be the start of the auction, and, and they have, you know, the thousand cars outside, inside, you know, spread throughout the auction venue. And it's like going to a giant car show, and you can just walk up to all these cars, check them out, sit in them, you know, t kick the tires. 
everything and it's just it, it's amazing and it's in you know, a great cross-section of stuff too so yeah i mean you know as the, the auctions that i attend and i get to and as i kind of bop around and, and I'm, I'm able to interface with the owners and stuff i mean more and more i'm coming across people attending the auctions that weren't necessarily hardcore into cars mm-hmm. but they wanted to be part of they heard, you know hey they heard mecham was coming to the you know these their city they want to see what it was all about and end up loving it exactly, and, you know, yeah. and they don't necessarily have to buy a car to enjoy it. i mean there's so much going on uh, i know dodge i know one of the big things is the thrill rides i know every auction i go to that's always something very exciting you can't miss the screeching tires and whatnot but i mean even just some of that stuff or like you said just seeing the cars and and typically they're inside and Mm -hmm. presented well it's a great way to take in a car show yeah it is it's it's a lot of fun um i want to talk a little bit more about uh, your journalist producer side of things because obviously um Uh, let's pause for one second okay so what is the (laughs) website name for the trans is it the transmission transmission, so it's www dot the transmission.com you got it okay now we can move on. okay good good <laughs> lou's always got to dot his eyes and cross his t's That's so, good. yeah <laughs> i'm taking good notes here and uh, obviously because i have a journalism degree so I, i'm always interested in, in and i've done a lot of writing in my career too so uh the daily herald was that kind of uh at least locally in the Chicago area, the thing that kind of got you established as a, as a, as, as the Matt Avery brand here. Um, how did that come about exactly? Yeah. So, uh, the daily Herald and I, I mean, um, I was at a car show this week chatting with someone, uh, a reader came up someone that I had featured, uh, nine years ago when we were just wow. talking. So wow. come up on the, uh, 10 year anniversary of overseeing the classic recollections column. That's mm-hmm. what it's called in the daily Herald. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of exciting to, to think back and to see how that opened up the door and kind of launched my career, um, as a writer and as an automotive historian and, and really helping to open up my eyes, um, to kind of love the story of these old cars. Um, kind of a fun little fact about how I got into it was, um, so when I moved to Chicago, I had just come out of those dealership settings and uh, just coming off of working with the Motor Week crew, moving into transitioning to my role at cars.com. Classic cars weren't necessarily on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, the Just because, you know, I mean, my dad and brother and I would go to, you know, car show here and there in Maryland, but never had I been exposed to the level that we had in the Chicago suburbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started, you know, going out um, in my off time to some of these car shows and kind of seeing, wow, this is a big presence here in the Chicago suburbs. Like, this is something I want to be more, you know, more and more engaged with. Sure. Um, and then when I started writing the column for the Daily Herald, um, it's reflective in my writing that a lot of those early stories uh, tended to be more focused on the tech of the cars. Okay, um, yeah. You know, just because, that, again, that was my background. But And they were, they were fine pieces. Um, but it's funny because I really started to care less about that for the for the sake of the column yeah. horsepower torque things yeah, like that you know you know just realizing that the reality is i'm not going to be able to write anything new about the production numbers of a 69 you know 396 chevelle mm. but what does change is all those individual owner stories so i will say that um, i've never sat down to kind of see that fork in the road but longtime readers can probably identify that after a couple years i did start to change the tone and focus more on that i started to adopt the phrase every car has a story um bringing that more into play uh, but yeah I mean, the Daily Herald, like I said, we've had a great partnership over the last couple of years that has also spun off. Um, we just celebrated this summer our fifth season of Daily Herald Cruise Nights, which mm-hmm. has gone over tremendously well here and, in the Chicago And suburbs, I will definitely so. uh, tip my automotive cap to, uh, to you and the crew at the Daily Herald because you're really the only publication, daily news publication in the entire Chicago area that has a focus on on car collecting lifestyle car classic cars cruise nights i mean the the big papers don't do that 
and they don't even uh, they don't even have automotive writers. They used to, you know, years ago, and they were well revered. And, and unfortunately, I think both of them have, have now passed away. But um, it's great that you know you guys are kind of carrying the torch and and continuing the the the, the presence of uh, classic car culture or car culture in general in the in the Chicago area via you know a daily newspaper, which is. I'm glad you guys are still around too because they're <laughs> yeah um, you know it's something that the Daily Herald sees interest um, mostly because it celebrates the community mm-hmm. which is really what the Daily Herald I think does best sure oh yeah in that you know you can go across the Chicago suburbs and the t- you know people know and love the Daily Herald and to me the classic recollections column that I do is just an extension of that where I love to hear you know I was at, at a car show this week and, and I had readers come up and say hey I, I know I love reading your column I turn to it first thing and, and I always love that but what I love more is that when I hear those same owners say hey you wrote about so and so and I actually saw him at a car show and I went up and I was able to say hey I read and that's the that's when I know I'm doing my job mm-hmm. well because that's helping to connect other car owners together and celebrate and laugh and share sure. memories and and I mean over the years there's been countless instances of being able to connect former high school friends that haven't talked in you know decades or or, you know, uh, business acquaintances, just all kinds of stuff all through cars. It's, yeah. it's so funny yeah. that, you know, it really does tie us together. Mm-hmm. So we need to take a break. We'll be right back. Lasano and Friends. I do this podcast. Really? Yeah, you should listen to it. What's it called? <laughs> well, Lasano and Friends. Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No, it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. go yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It'd be nice if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Wow. Are we friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Hey, quite, quite, quite. Well, yeah. Lasano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long are we going? <laughs> Radiomisfits.com. Big news. There's another fine Opie show coming to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Details are coming soon to opishows.com. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Woman bumps into her dead boyfriend. The Lady in Red. German hash funeral, man. My brush with Adrian Ballou. And our celebrity guest, Larry Potash. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. Tony Lasano Podcast and Opi Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. And we're back. Let me fire off another question here for you. So you've got a family, you're traveling across the country, you're seeing cool cars. When does Matt Avery write? Yeah. How, how do you do that? Uh, he, he writes in his sleep. Uh, like, a lot like, of midnight oil yeah. comes do, through do my... You just, uh, is it all like with the my... iPhone now? You just start speaking into it and it writes it all? Yeah. I'm now at the car show with Jim. And it just writes it all out. And then you just paraphrase later. How do you do it? Yeah. No, that's a good question. I mean, the writing process. Um, I mean, typically what I find works well is is when I'm out in the field. I mean, that's when I'm firing on all cylinders is, yeah. is to me... I love nothing more than being, you know, the tip of the spear, being out, meeting the owners, seeing the cars. Um, so from there, I have a couple different tools that I do to collect data. I mean, you know, it's one of the things that now more and more when I'm out somewhere, I'm getting people coming up saying, hey, you've got to do this car. I've learned to kind of condense what I need to say, hey, you know, can you get me an email? And what's the three most important things about that car? So then I kind of keep a running tab of that so that when I do get a chance to get back to either a hotel room or, you know, even my car, wherever it's 
it's parked um, and or back to my my house if I'm here in the Chicago area, then I'm able to kind of process and kind of go through that list. So it's kind of a tiered system as I drill down. So when you're on the road, what you're telling me is at night you're you're not at the club. You're firing away. <laughs> He's at the, working at, no, far, at the computer. Far from, far from any. No, no, I, I, I know. I'm having only, fun with or, you. Or any. Uh, right, but I mean any, that, that's that's the yeah. tough part about what you do, and people don't really see that is that you 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 get done with the show, then you have and, to go and, to work, and a lot of time, <laughs> yeah. right? And then you, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what it is, and then you go to work. So you're, I'll call it grinding and sweating out there with the cars. I mean, what a wonderful problem. But and then on top of that, you get back, and then you throw some food down your throat, and then you sit back for the next four hours and. Cry it out and you look at the clock and you go it's 10 o'clock yeah just like that right uh usually later okay right but 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 am i right yeah no i mean you're actually do you do you feel any burnout do you feel lonely do you need to call mark and lou sometime tonight just to kind of you know refresh what do you you need Uh, maybe how how can we help you how can we help you uh no i mean i think you're actually you're absolutely right lou and i know from being friends with you over the last couple years i know you keep that pace as well and and i mean i i I think it's evident to to our audience that we do it because of passion, you know, that obviously we wouldn't be logging these long hours if it wasn't something that we thoroughly enjoyed. Um, that being said, it is kind of funny that more and more um, I'm finding that fewer and f- fewer people are able to appreciate that at the end of the day, it, it is a it's an occupation and it's sure. a, it's a per- there's a professionalism to it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's so I'm always hesitant whenever people, you know, even friends or family. Oh, I want to go to a car show with you. It's like, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah, know if you know. What you're signing up yeah. for, like, uh, yeah, that's you know, not the time you want you know, to go with yeah, Matters to a car show, right? Um, but uh, but I, but I will say, Lou. I mean, after doing it professionally for for ten and a half years now, I, I mean, I still love it. I love. Um, I'm blessed to be able to enjoy what I do, and yeah. Um, so no signs of burnout yet. Um, okay, but cool. I will say, you know, it, it does take a lot of overnight uh, logging, a lot of overnight hours. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, especially during the book, uh, putting together the Copo book, mm-hmm. um, you know, you always hear people say oh i had to work overnight in this project whether it be automotive or not and you know it was one of those things it's like are they just is that an idiom or is that a paraphrase you know you never know but i can confidently tell you that during that the two years of putting together copo there was many nights in a hotel room on the road that you know i sit down to write at eight o'clock at night you see 11 yeah you just one a.m come you get up you go down the hotel lobby stretch your legs you see three come you see four come But let me add to that (laughs) although that's all true when you're writing that book you weren't tired because a lot of times, I mean, I'm not saying you were never tired, but a lot of times you're so excited about the completion. You see the light at the end of the tunnel that it is exciting. And then when you finally see the book come together, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't trade that process for anything yeah. as well as even the day to day grind or yeah. I, I would even call it that. But just even kind of the ebb and flow of, uh, yeah. of how I uh, how yeah. I run. Well, just seeing so. your work, you know, come to fruition in the paper and the on the website, you know, uh, just through your photography, which is very good, by the way, um, because you featured my car uh, a little while back and you made <laughs> you made me look good, too, which was which was great. But the car looked even better. So I appreciate that that but and that kind of segues into the whole you know you even do a multimedia tour presentation type of things tell tell us a little bit what kind of presentations you're giving or or how people get in contact with you to do a presentation are you doing it for clubs are you doing it at uh, car shows or whatever how does that work yeah so that all started um years ago with the daily herald i mean it started off uh, locally in the chicago area you know I, i started getting as i wrote more and more for the daily herald and as that brand started to build people knew me as matt avery of classic recollections featured in the daily herald uh requests would come in Uh, chicago is very vibrant with the car club scene 
and so requests would come in to speak at car club meetings or shows i mean at that point it was more about just kind of what it was to be an automotive um writer or columnist and mm-hmm. kind of some of the cars and um i remember even a couple times i did uh, s- several seminars on how to take better pictures of your car oh, wow. that's always a yeah. that's always a demand you know so um and then from there it's just started you know building as with anything when you you know continually produce you know high quality work and you keep working at it i mean more and more doors open um in the last couple years i've been able to enter more of a national stage with mm-hmm. that um the chevrolet uh, chevrolet nationals in carlisle pennsylvania and i we've had a uh, a good working relationship the last couple years i've been invited down um through the supercar workshop cell lifter showroom which is an exhibit if you've been there you know it it's in building y but um i've been invited down to to be a guest author there and talk about the copo program in particular um two years ago also at the chevy nationals i was part of a panel talking about automotive um journalism in hmm. today's day and age wow. drew, drew hardin was there with muscle mm-hmm. car review editor there phil boris another automotive author so um the other thing too that more and more the requests i'm getting mark is also to talk about the future of the hobby mm-hmm. um being well, that's a, so. a big concern because big concern. you know a lot of people are aging out of it and you wonder if, if the younger generation the millennials or whatever i mean I, I know that some of them are interested in cars i know the 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 early to mid 80s cars are kind of catching fire because of them but what's going to happen to all the classics or even the uh pre-war stuff that's a that's a concern it, it is a concern and so i mean because being a younger journalist and, and or younger enthusiast first and foremost um i'm able to kind of address some of those concerns mm-hmm. just because the group that people are worried about are my peers and yeah. so able to kind of get uh data and insight you know like um it, it's funny because the the stat most people throw out is oh well you know most teens you know today want a cell phone versus a car and i mean there's some truth in that of course but i mean i will say from what i've seen the last couple years there's a lot of excitement within the car hobby it might be different from what people are used to but that doesn't mean it's going away no i mean what i'm always and i I've talk about this all the time is when we go to an event like a supercar saturday and what i call the paparazzi out front where the cars are coming and going it's all high school kids with their cameras and their cell phones taking pictures taking videos and obviously they're there because they're digging the cars but the cars they're digging to me seem like they're they're more like the supercars the you know the mclarens the lamborghinis the ferraris they're not necessarily the you know the 58 impalas or the 1965 novas or whatever but they're there they're enthusiastic about it and hopefully they might be the future of the of the hobby well, I mean, it, it all comes back to relatability, right? Where, I mean, essentially every generation, that's where the passion has always stemmed from, is that relatability, that personal connection typically to that vehicle. So, I mean, every generation has had it. So, I mean, we, we've been living the last couple of decades through one generation that remembered one specific mm-hmm. type or, or generation of cars. Sure. And as that the newer generations come in, they are remembering and celebrating another, uh, you know, more late model, more newer well, cars. Because it's the stuff you grew so, up with I and mean, it's the stuff you're family owned and probably was your first car so absolutely i mean and, and so I, and i understand as i go out in the hobby and i hear you know there's there's sometimes warring factions you know in terms of why is that lowered honda civic or that you know buick gsx allowed in the car show and parked next to a tri-5 chevrolet yeah you know and i certainly understand that but on the other hand it's like if 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 those cars aren't accepted the car hobby will you know the, the flame will die out mm-hmm. if i mean to me it's just comical because theoretically every generation endured that right i mean going back the last hundred years i mean you know like at some point in the 50s what if they didn't allow you know the the cars from the 60s and or well, the, the, the thing i always person. wonder about too is at some point during the the automotive history here people didn't collect cars 
You know, I mean, like even in the 30s, were you really collecting something like a 1903 curved dash holes or something? I don't know. I mean, even in the right. 50s, I think car culture was just, I mean, the, the hot rodding thing was there. But the whole idea of collecting a car and restoring a car, I don't even think was all that prevalent in, in the 50s. And it's just kind of a phenomenon that has become, you know, as, as the cars change and people recognize that these things are more than just, you know, mechanical devices that can be considered works of art or, or design you know, whatever design examples of things. And it's just something that, you know, at some point there wasn't anyone collecting cars that, you know, so it just kind of happened and it's always going to be evolving. So I think that's what we're going to see in the next 20 to 30 years is just the continual evolution, so to speak, of the of the hobby and of the the whole culture itself. And it'll be interesting to see where it takes us. So does your wife go with you on any shows? Um, she does. So uh, my wife is very supportive and, and passionate, and it's always funny to me. Uh, she, is she, that specifically when you're going to Monterey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, honey, no hesitation I am there. so <laughs> interested in the cars at Monterey. Don't worry if I'm at Beverly Hills walking down the street. I'll be paying attention to the cars. Um, no, she's very supportive. On, on a 1 to 10, give her, give, I don't know if she'll listen, but on a 1 to 10, 10, she's a car girl, 1, she could care less. Oh, no, I mean, hands down, I would say that. Uh, eight solid eight that's good in that's the, good for you uh, yeah but i mean i would also say that the you just th- got a whole bunch of guys on the channel jealous yes. right no <laughs> most I mean, of I, our I'm women are fives blessed. or below yeah. <laughs> um but i will say i mean it's, it's funny to me because people do hear about what what is, she, what is she well hold on hold on hold on what is she like what like, does she like? Like, does she like the Ferraris? Does she like oh, the classics? She, no, she's more into the luxury, the exotics, oh, whatever. Okay. I get the chance to bring home something if I'm testing a brand new car or whatever. You know, she loves the the tech the tech side of it just because there's so much coming out now. So when I mean, you say tech like a Tesla, or are you saying uh, tech Tesla like a new Lamborghini? Or no, I mean, even some of the Mercedes, the Jaguars, okay. the Aston Martin stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the fun whiz bang tech that's winking. When, when you bring cars. home like an F type, does she ever come back? Like, I mean, it's like, sweetheart, I'm calling you on the cell phone. Can you come back with that one now? I'm still testing it, Matt. Is no, it like but that I, mean, I, I will say, you know, typically one of the things, if I'm reviewing a, a, a brand new car, uh, you know, I, I do like to have her come along with me because it's, it's interesting to see her insight and opinion. Sure, a different perspective. Different hurts. perspective. Yeah. I will say, like. What, is, what does this ludicrous button mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of the actual travel, it's funny, too, because, like, when people, you know, if I share with them what I've been up to. And, and some of the travels, you know, at the highest level, it, it might appear, dare I say, glamorous. But it's just funny because they always are quick to say, oh, hey, did your wife go with you? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, why not? And I'm like, because she's learned after being married to me for so many years that not every trip is like super fun yeah, in yeah. her definition. And no, I, right. I fully support that. You know, yeah, like, right. there's some days that I'm out there, you know, if, if no. uh, you know, you, you go into a project, you know, you've got every all your ducks in a row. You've got the car being delivered somewhere. You think it's going to go well. And then all of a sudden you get the call saying that the tow truck had to make another run uh-huh. and couldn't pick up the car. Right, and you're there until eleven thirty at night, and you got a big smile on your face as you stop by to grab a you know a fast food hamburger, and you're like, man, that was super fun, and you're like, yeah, my wife would not enjoy no. It today. No, no. So uh, I always, I'm always quick to say that any shoot or any trip I go on, if I want her there, I know she'd do everything to be there. But even I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to say, hey, you know what, you don't have to, don't come. Well, yeah, this. it's your work. So. I mean, <laughs> when when you're on a uh, going to a car event, it's you know head down, let's roll. 
Um, I get that. I kind of quick segue. I had my son with me at Carlisle at the Ford thing, and and how I got him there was this. I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to be going to the Ford Nationals, and he said, Yeah, that sounds kind of fun. Um, didn't you say you're getting a golf cart, Dad? I said, Yeah, I'm going to have a golf cart. Do you think I? He's 14. Think I could uh, drive the golf cart? I said, Well, you're supposed to be an adult. Yeah, come on with. I'll let you drive. The golf cart. So, so that's all I got him was the golf cart. Okay, but so once we but once we got there, then I was like, Okay, here's what we're looking for. Here's where we're going. And yeah, at, Lou gets in the every, zone. Oh yeah, when I got in the zone, and every night he'd be sacked out by ten, totally exhausted, and I'd be going just like you said till about one, and then we'd get up at five thirty. I'd go downstairs, grab breakfast, bring it upstairs, and he'd like smell the bacon as I walked in. Door, like, what's that? Yeah. So now I get it. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, my wife will usually enjoy one of the uh, like the Geneva show where you, if you walk down the street. You, the guys can see the cars, and if you walk on the sides, then there's all the shops. So my wife will be, like, in and out of the shops. That's about the only time she wants to be with me at a car show. Usually she's like, you know, he's, he's no, don't go with him. <laughs> so that's good that your wife wants to go in. If you like the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and that's what we're doing here, Mark Vernon along with Luke Hostel, will be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the podcast Minutia Men. That's an OPI show. It's Rick Kemper and Dave Stern. They're consumers of worthless information, and every week they share their take on what they have learned in the podcast. It's called Minutia Men. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, and that is radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we'll have part two of our very special interview with author, journalist, and producer Matt Avery. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OPIShows.com. OPI is hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits, great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OPIShows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Hey, this is Tony Lozano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends. Uh, including Kimmy. Hello! We feature some of the coolest guests like... Ryan Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way, you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we're going to get you away from the Bears game because, you know, let's face it, the Bears are not very good anymore. But what is good, Adam? I tell you, the English Premier League, we've got a fantastic match this weekend. It's the two best teams in the Premier League playing against each other. We're going to talk about it. Liverpool versus Man City at Anfield. Great atmosphere. It's going to be tremendous. Yeah, all that and unlimited discussions of this great game of football slash soccer on Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. 
Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we continue our wide-ranging talk with author, journalist, and producer, Matt Avery. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for part two of this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.